All, All right. right, Abby, you got to declare that we're doing this thing. You're the boss. We're Oh, I was just okay. We're doing a podcast. This week, our intrepid reporters did not, in fact, go to CES. But we're still going to talk about stuff at CES, because that's what you do on a tech news podcast. Fake news! Fake news! <laughs> Fake news! Well, it's real news. We're talking about real things. Um, yeah, so CES was the previous week, and there was crazy stuff what there. What is CES for people uh, that aren't It is the me, Consumer obviously. Electronics Show. Ba, 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 da, 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 da. Come, visit, and <laughs> learn about all the current technology trends. <laughs> Um, yeah. So consumer electronics, it's the stuff that you might want to buy. And so they show it all off at one place and everyone goes and is like, Ooh, ah, yeah. It used to be like fridges and washing machines. And now it's like cars and drones and TVs that are so thin. They can't stand up. You have to wall mount them. Yeah. That was crazy. I was reading about that. Yeah. They're they're They can't support their own weight anymore. Which That's at that point seems sad to me. Yeah. It seems like you might've gone, have TV. we gone too far? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so but that's not really what i want to talk about no we have we have underlying motives mm-hmm. so the thing that struck me about okay the, the, what got me thinking about this was i saw a demo for a drone called the power egg i think <laughs> it's I, I i should you know i think that's the name of it uh, the Power Vision Power Egg. Yes, that is what I'm Power Egg. Well, okay, you have to see the thing. It, it make, the name makes sense. It is, it's shaped like an egg or like a rugby ball and then it folds out into a drone. Um, and it actually looks really, really cool. Like I kind of want to own one, but at the same time, I really wanted to own a lily. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, Isn't it? It looks like one of the, like, uh, one of the turrets from, from Portal. From Portal. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a really cool drone. And I do want to own one, but again, at the same time, I wanted to own a Lily drone as well. And they're both doing the exact same thing. And Lily just went under despite having like $35 million. And so like, I, I, I'm not sure how you can look at a market like the drone market and be like, yeah, that's where I want to put my future. <laughs> um, cause like, it, like both, both Lily, Lily's whole thing was it was an easy to use drone. Like anybody yeah. could use it. You throw it in the air. Yeah. They had like a video of like old people using a drone being like, look, <laughs> anyone can use it. Um, I mean, the video was super cool though. It was. It was it's, great. I, I hyped it up. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is that, and then, so these guys have come along and they're basically doing the exact same thing. It's a nice kind of rounded, easy, like really kind of like, apple looking drone that you can fly with a uh, a gesture controlled uh one-handed controller like you don't need to do the dual stick flying it's not it's it's supposed to be really really nice and not scary but i what i find scary is the prospect of giving them my money and not getting a drone well i think part of the problem is that making a drone is not hard like there are there are literally thousands of companies in China that make drones. It's true. You can buy them for under a hundred dollars at most like electronic stores. So like making a drone is not difficult. What's difficult is making a hugely successful startup style drone. Like something that's mm. gonna satisfy all of your investors and the people who would put thirty four million dollars into your company. And that's like that's basically starting a startup company, which always not always, but But even like even startup like, companies fail. It's not even not even necessarily startups though. I mean like Parrot is losing a whole bunch of yeah, like they're, they're hemorrhaging money. Of their engineers. Yeah. yeah. But again that that's Parrot was a startup, I'm sure. And if, if, if it wasn't a startup, it's at least well, I was gonna say, that's when a you different s- scale. Like you're if you're competing with DGI, that's one thing. If you're 
just trying to make a drone and hire 15 or 20 people to like have a living wage and run a company, you can probably do that. You can probably make a decent enough drone that you can sell enough to get by. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be like the next Twitter of drones. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just like it. Okay. So the, my, 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 my question is how do people decide like, when the trend of getting into like a market is a good idea, like when their idea is good enough to like risk entering the tech startup market. That's an excellent question. Cause I, I was saying earlier that I had, I've come across the same thing with just regular brick and mortar stores on the street that I used to live on where there'd be a company that would open a store, like a clothing store and they'd be like, yeah, clothing store, this is going to be great. And then six months later they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, Someone else would open a clothing store. And I'm just like, what are you doing differently? It looks the same. You know, obviously, if you've done your homework, what the market is like in this area. And you seem to have some kind of business plan because you bought a store. So, like, what are you planning to accomplish here? I mean, it was the same Mm -hmm. thing. Like, there was a coffee shop that literally opened across the parking lot from Starbucks and down the street from Second Cup. Second Cup being a big Canadian coffee shop. So like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like what it like I know their big thing was they were doing pour over. Great. Are you going to have oh enough of like a market to actually sustain your company? Surprise, they didn't and they were gone 6 months later. Like you need to have something that's going to really captivate an audience and you need to think beyond just what you're doing now or what you're doing in the immediate future if you're going to go anywhere like and that's the problem with a lot of these companies perhaps is that they're like oh man there's a trend it's so great we know about cameras we know about technology we can do this and then a year or two later they're just like oh this is uh hmm this is maybe trickier than we thought and uh it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. possible that we can't actually make these at a sustainable price because the problem with drones just like the problem with personal assistants which we'll get into a little bit is that the market bar is ever growing. Like right now, DJI with the Mavic Pro has basically said for $1,000, we can make a drone that can do anything. Yeah. It's small. It's the size yeah. of a shoebox. You can put it in your backpack. It can stream 720p video at like three or four kilometers. You can control it without really having knowing anything about controlling drones. And so that's the bar of entry now. If you're yeah. going to make a drone, you have to complete with the Mavic Pro. Well, I think and that's, that's something that's really hard to do if you're starting out. Yeah. I, that's that's they're 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 can't on it these the the power uh power dro- or power egg guys. Power egg. Power egg. Um and and I think similarly with the Lily was it, they're they're trying to ch- take that uh the really easy to use drone and take it to its extreme like this is a drone that anyone can fly and is like really really hard to crash and things like that um but it's yeah it's it's i just i can't imagine getting into that market and it's it, it's true of almost every market though that's that's what i it's kind of scares me you're talking about like even powered cars like we were looking at the faraday the new car that came out was at ces and looking at that and i don't know what their mentality was behind it because they're like their big selling point with the faraday is it's the fastest electric car and i'm looking at that and saying i don't care about a fast electric actually car. their pitch is that this is the way auto manufacturing auto manufacturing should always have been done but which in and of itself is a crazy ass yeah <laughs> but like considering that nobody's made an electric car that i could justify buying even with government grants yeah like I, is what what problem are they solving and like it's so these there are all these companies that are getting into markets and i'm looking at it and saying 
I you got some cojones because I'm that's the not thing. seeing like, your Tesla and GM and Ford that are all like doubling down on autonomous cars and electric cars. They already have a trend. Like they're going for finally like large scale, low cost electric autonomous vehicles. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. That's what mm-hmm. Tesla's next step is, and that's probably what Ford just spent whatever seventeen million dollars to build a plant in Detroit to do. Right. And so if you're not doing that. What are you doing? Like you're going to compete with Tesla on the high end? Like well, I mean, I know that there's a lot of yeah. competition in cars generally, so one could be the Audi and one could be the BMW, but like you got to come out with something that's really dialed down if you're going to really get into a market like that. Well, and cars are, ex- are an extreme example because like being a car manufacturing startup would be crazy is is kind of crazy. It's yeah. like the the entry bar is a lot higher than like drones or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um but even even like the 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 other end of the spectrum, like you get down to uh, wearables. Wearables were a really big thing. They have been for a while, and somehow still haven't really gotten off the ground in terms of like none of the big like the wearable tech that's out there right now is nearly as big a thing as everyone thought it was going to be when it was announced. Like the mm-hmm. like the Apple Watch, despite selling a whole bunch, is didn't sell as well as everyone thought it was originally. Like Pebble, everyone thought was like the new like second coming of wearable technology, and now they're like they've been bought out. Um, and yet, there's a whole bunch of newcomers to the to the wearable technology market. Yeah. Um, like uh, and Casio just got in with their with a new watch. Um, there was oh, what's the uh, what's the kids one that I saw that was really cool? Uh, the Octopus Watch, I think. It's, it's, it's a cool. smart, smart watch for children. Um, which, okay, that one's actually one that I understand. It's kind of cool. It's a, the idea being that you can create, it's a smart watch that doesn't need you to be able to tell time or read. Um, so the idea, cool. you, I mean, you create like, you create notifications that are icon based for your kids to be like, a little toothbrush pops up to remind them to brush their teeth before going to bed. So that's getting into an interesting slant because the one thing, that is the issue with drones and what we we're just talking about with autonomous electric cars is that the the market generally at this point has kind of established what the need is. The need for mm. a, autonomous electric cars is low cost autonomous electric cars. The need for drones is flying cameras and racing drones. Mm-hmm. So the need for wearables, nobody knows what the need for wearables is yet. The only company that really made a successful wearable is Apple and they basically made a successful wearable by turning their watch into a fitness tracker and it's still a crappy watch. Well, that's a, I mean, that's exactly it. Is that there? So like there's no, there's no, no one knows what the need is in wearables. And so it's a little bit more wild west because there's no real established use case. Like I don't have any interest whatsoever in a smartwatch. I would have no use for it, but well, I don't know, but that's the thing. Like, cause no one has made a pitch to me. The, to tell me why I need it. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing is the closest thing to someone describing exactly what I want out of a smartwatch so far was Pebble, and they like and they're the ones who <laughs> like they got bought out. That's yeah. the, and they're and they've been bought out and they are being um oh what's the uh it's it's acquired where it's oh, yeah. a q u h i r e d <laughs> yeah where they 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 go and they just they basically just want the people in the IP and then they or the the engineering staff and then they dumped the product. Yeah. They dumped everything except for the software group, I think. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, that's the thing is when that, when the company that's doing the closest to what you think should be happening in the market is the one going under. And the same thing, again, same thing with like, with the, um, with the Lily drone. I was like, that is the coolest 
uh, one of the coolest approaches to drones and they had this huge like groundswell of support and all of this money and it's it's, it's the the wrapping your head around the idea that 35 million dollars is not enough money but again like that it's not it but the, and the, you're right like they had a pitch and the pitch worked but then you have to be able to play in an area, like I said earlier, where you already have established contenders. There isn't that in wearables except for Apple, and Apple really is just the only one around. Well, Whereas in drones, like the your Power Egg example, they're they're twelve hundred and eighty eight dollars US. Mm-hmm. So that's three hundred dollars more than the Mavic Pro. What for what? Like I, just because it's shaped like an egg? Like I'm, I know I'm being a little bit facetious, but like. You need to come with something that you can put on the table and say, this is why you're spending $300 mm. more than a Mavic Pro if you're going to get anywhere. Yeah. Because they're mm-hmm. saying that they're um, geared towards casual users. What the hell is a casual At user going to spend $1,300 US for? <laughs> oh like, it's true. Like, that's pretty casual. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. You, uh, you were talking about wearables. And talking about like the not knowing what the problem was. And, uh, that was one of the things I found interesting that came out of this, uh, whole discussion. Cause Casio got into the, into the wearables market and they came in actually a, a similar, con- uh, to compare. They came into the wearables market with like a $500 smartwatch, like way up several yeah. hundred dollars more than, than most other smartwatches. And their justification for it was that they made a smartwatch for outdoor people. It's, it's mil spec. It's waterproof. Okay. It is, it is ruggedized. Um, and their argument is that there is no one solution for wearable technology. Sure. Does it do anything unique to outdoorsy people? Like I know that at one point there it's, was a surf company that made one that had title conditions that yeah. could like po- do like uh, push notifications to your watch and stuff like that. Like, does it do anything? I think the big mm. ones it's got is, uh, it's got built in low power GPS. It's got oh, a, cool. Uh, the screen, it's a combination of a color screen and a black and white screen so that when it's doing, when all it's showing is basic information, it switches to the black and white screen. So it's a gadget. Like they're, they're, they're basically doubling down on tools and gadgets that appeal to different sub cultures yeah and i think that's probably mm-hmm. the direction you're going to go like something like the like the octopus where you're like okay the niche yeah. is kids or the casio yeah. one where the niche is hikers it's not like we make the watch for the everyman we well ma- we i mean that's the watch that's what moto specific... that's what like the moto 360 is it's yeah. there we're like okay we're gonna make smart watches that look nice enough look that how you successful might wear that was well the new moto 360 looks good yeah but how many people bought it well i've never o- seen one the old one not so good it didn't do so well um but and, but the thing is, like, people think, people still seem to think it is a market. I mean, like, Android, the oh, yeah, Wear 2.0 no. is coming yeah. out. Like, it's, it's there. It's just, it it's hasn't... untapped, but it's untapped because no one knows how to tap it. Like, it's, they're, they're looking at this piece of stone. Well, thinking, it's kind of like, where am I supposed to hit this? It's kind of a dead zone thing where, like, they, people are walking out into the desert looking for the oasis that yeah. is, like, the ultimate wearable. And most of them are dying on the way. <laughs> Um, it's a different, basically, like we were saying, it's a different problem than you have with with drones and with autonomous vehicles because their problem is there are big contenders that have established themselves, and though there's a lot of market, you need to compete with them, and everyone's behind. The big problem with wearables is that as much as Apple's in the market, no one really knows what they're doing yet, and that's the that's the different issue I see there is not yeah. that like they have to compete with Apple, but they don't know how to compete with. The fact that no one really knows how to sell a wearable. Well, and like, like the same problem seems to be continuing with um, with IoT. Yeah, with like, smart homes. Yeah, yeah, smart home stuff. There's all kinds of stuff, and basically, I think everyone like 
it's still they're still releasing IoT toasters. And it's I like know. who I I don't not need... even not even toasters like the... no there was the one at yeah. CES. No, I know, like, but, what the but, heck? but that isn't even the craziest thing. They have yeah. IoT hair brushes. They have IoT <laughs> toothbrushes. Like I read about that the hairbrush like tells you that you're brushing your hair wrong. Yeah, they the... have a mirror that That's points out your dumb. flaws for you. Like they have like I mean and the, the basically the summary of what I heard from CES was everything has Alexa or or Google Home. Like everything is connected. Well, that seems and to it be doesn't the matter solution. how absurd it is. Like be simple things like let's say you have an IoT enabled furnace um like floor vent that ter- opens and closes based on the conditions inside a certain room of your house. That makes a hell of a lot more sense than an IoT enabled toaster. Yeah. I don't give a shit about my toast when I'm like, I don't need to push notification. Like everything has an app. It's like, oh, you can do this from the app. I don't want to put apps on my phone that will let me control my juicer. Like I don't care. Like it's just, and that's the thing. Like I know that it's, it's a basically it's becoming, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just absurd. But at the same time, Again, like you said, there's no real pitch for how you make an IoT-enabled future. Well, and so, it, it feels like they're grabbing low-hanging fruit, but part of the problem is that nobody can see any other fruit. Yeah, and the th- part of it is also <laughs> that, like, in terms of the actual companies that are playing in that space, there's Amazon with the Echo, and they were apparently, like, the thing of CES. Everything. Mm-hmm. They were everywhere. They must have had – they had, like, 75 companies that were enabled for Amazon Echo – and they weren't even showing other than they had a giant echo that you could play with. Well, and that came, and that came back to like our API episode. Exactly. All they've done because is they've they made, have an API. Because they've, because they've made the Alexa skills. Is that what they're calling yeah, their hooks? It's a sub, it's a subgroup of their yeah. capabilities. But so there's that. And then, so basically they're the ones that have established themselves who have the market share right now. Mm-hmm. There's Google Home that everyone has said that they're going to great with, but they're a little bit behind because they're just slowly rolling out their capabilities. But Google Home, mm-hmm. people are investing in because it's Google. Google has all of your information. They have a lot of your content. They know everything about you. So the promise of Google is there. If Google can deliver on what is possible for them to do, they would be an extremely potent assistant because they already have all of your information and know a lot of stuff about you. For, for Google potentially could tell me, where I have to be, where, how fast I can get there, who else is going to be going. Like they could, they know everything about my life because I have an Android phone, because I have a Chromecast, because I have a Google calendar and a Google email address and all that, all of the documents at work are in Google. They, ha- they know a lot about me so they can do a lot for me. Mm. Alexa can help <clears throat> me shop, which in and of itself is super useful because it lets you just say to your kitchen, I need to buy milk and it goes and buys you milk. That's kind of cool. It's mm. neat. It's handy. And they have all these integrations already, which is the reason why they're also playing heavily because they're not behind their head. But that's basically it. There's those two companies that are making claims and playing in that space. And there's really no one else around. There's yeah. a few kind of quasi companies that are doing a little bit here and there. Like Apple has HomeKit and stuff like that, but not really. Like they're not really doing anything at the moment. Well, so, like a lot of the, a lot of those integration companies, people who would be theor- who could theoretically compete with uh, a digital assistant are going into adjacent nooks. Like they're either building physical digital assistants, like they're making little robots or they are making apps mm-hmm. or like, that's the thing is it's no, there are a lot of companies that I think are doing stuff that's adjacent to it, but they are focusing so much on other specific problems, like making a, 
like a robotic lab assistant or a robotic like home assistant. And then that project fails because nobody wants to buy a robot to trundle around their house. Yeah. And you lose mm-hmm. what could have been a really interesting approach at like an AI Mm-hmm. Uh, or a, a partial AI assistant, like it, yeah. it, that. That's another like another problem is, is you look you look. Is I I have something I want to bring to the technology sphere. What am I going to do with it? Like there's um one of the other te- uh, products I thought was really interesting was a company that's making a fitness tracker in a ring. It's a it's a oh, instead, of, instead of a watch it's it's a ring and it yeah. tracks and it, it does. Uh, this thing is Motive was the one okay. I looked at. There might be Ring-a-lo. more than one. I haven't heard of Ringling mm, barbecue. Um, so, th- but it's, but again, it's a similar thing where it's like, okay, we're going to take the fitness tracker, boil it down to its compo- to its like key parts and make it really compact and really energy efficient so that it can run off a really tiny battery. And I think that's all really good technology. And I want to see that though, I want to see those advances in fitness tracker technology brought to smartwatches. But I'm wondering how many of them will go into creating, trying to create a novel product like a fitness ring, and then that company goes under, and that never really sees the light of day. Yeah, uh, like that, that. That's it's a it's a whole different question when you're like, I want to I want to revolutionize this aspect of a technology, but if I can't make it into a business model on its own, does my IP just sort of fade into the into the mists of time? Mm-hmm. And also, part of it's interesting because a lot, especially with the IoT sphere there is the potential for even the big players to coexist because like Google is never going to make a store like Amazon. They're never going to do that. Mm. It's, it's logistically not possible. Mm. And so and yet the, they're never going to compete with Amazon on shopping. And Amazon is never going to compete with Google on email or on personal information because Amazon knows how you shop, but they don't know your email and they're not going to, Google's not going to let them into that space. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so they have their own like ultimate carved out areas of the market and the same like apple could play there but right now they're not microsoft potentially could play there at the moment like they've got cortana and cortana is coming into some things um i think there's like tvs that have cortana integration and stuff like that but i mean it's they're basically the way that it was described in a podcast episode two was it could end up that these different companies have a part of your physical house where your google home is in the living room because it can connect to Chromecast and it can give you information and it can drive entertainment and stuff like that. Your Alexa or your your um, your Amazon Echo is in the kitchen because that allows you to like look at recipes and buy things in your fridge and stuff like that. And then who knows like what company is going to do the IoT enabled bathroom or the IoT enabled garage or stuff like that. There could be all sorts of other contenders, but they're not there. They're not showing up other than putting existing technologies like Alexa into hairbrushes and mm-hmm. monkey wrenches and no, shoe ca- <laughs> shoelaces and stuff like that. No, I'm just, I'm wondering how many like th- these kinds of really, really interesting innovative ideas that are out there that don't see the light of day because there isn't a business model for it. And that's like, or, or they get into it, they get into a startup, they get a Kickstarter, they get $35 million and then they fold and, and like they, they don't, it, it doesn't go anywhere like that, that, and that it's technology, like, like the hairbrush. It's mm. like two hundred dollars. Yeah, like I know it's a nice hairbrush, and I, but basically what they're going to do is drive you to buy more c- stuff from the company that made the hairbrush. Yeah, because it's Alexa enabled and because it's a corporate um, entity. So yeah, like they could have innovative tech, like you said, they could, and they could not really know how to reach into that market potential and really leverage their idea to create a company that's successful. But at the same time, 
I, things are like you, you still have to make a business case for this is a product we feel has a need and we feel that our customers will be willing to pay this much money for it. And a lot of the um, products that we heard about from CES aren't even filling that lowest bar of like somebody is going to want to pay this much money for this thing. Yeah. Because this is mm-hmm. such a potent need that people are really going to want to to buy into it. Like well, the or, only thing or can you I, can you make your business work if only like yeah. only a thousand people buy in? Uh, or alternately, can you make your business work if you expected a thousand people to buy in and a hundred thousand people buy in? Does your business scale so that you can stay on your feet? Because I think that's the that those are the two problems. Yeah, yeah. it's these business either businesses that have a great idea but they can't they can't build up their business from they they need the initial jump to tens of thousands of people in order to make their money back, or they are businesses planning to make a ten, 10 thousand units and then when there's a huge influx of interest. Uh, through something like Kickstarter, all of a sudden they find themselves unable to to keep up with that. Yeah, to actually manufacture the product they promised. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, the, yeah, the question is, how do we, how do, how do, how do you avoid those pitfalls in order to bring something that is truly novel and solves an actual problem to the market? I mean, to mm-hmm. me, I, I, I don't know, I don't want to interrupt, um, Abby. I think you had something to say. But <laughs> to me, to me, a lot of it just comes down to old school, traditional business strategy. Where you're, you start with a need and an identified problem that you're going to solve. You create a product that can do so. You do market research to f- make sure that the need is prevalent and that the market will support the cost of the product that you're trying to deliver. And then you do pilot studies and you do market research and you do marketing and branding and you take that product out into the world and you secure customers and pre-orders and clients that are willing to invest in your company long term because the product is valuable to them and you build a company the problem right now is that most of these are following the strategy of a startup where you find investors not customers you create a product that you think will work and then you try to get out into the market with some really flashy branding and marketing and make a splash and build out something that's uh, successful while growing way faster than you're actually selling and that's why most startup companies fail because their big deliverable is growth. They always promise growth at whatever cost is necessary because they have angel investors and um, all. I don't know anything about venture VCs. capitalism. Oh, um, okay, <laughs> so I was here looking yeah. for was venture capitalism okay. and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the the business model isn't sustainable, but it's not supposed to be. Yeah, and because it's not sustainable, unless they're immediately hugely successful, they just implode. And like, that's, if that depends on what kind of company you want, if you want a startup company that does that, great. If you want a company, then you don't, don't, don't build your company that way. Yeah, but does, I mean, that's the thing you're talking about old school company dynamics and that was fine when you could take three years to get a product to market. Like that's the the problem is, is that the, the, these companies, these companies are trying, are trying to cash in on a, on a fad like a technology fad that's going to be gone by the time a traditional business had built up like what the, the kind of that's that's part of the thing is these companies come out with something really flashy and then they take the two years to actually get to the point where they have something built that they would have had to have taken first and e- then either they disappear off the radar and nobody ever hears from them again or by the time they get to market it's too late but the, it's almost too late already because like look at what happened with the karma from gopro like they they rushed to market with a product that had a mechanical failure in the battery casing and ended up having to get pulled from the shelves like but, rush, rushing to market to catch a trend is fine 
as long as what you end up with is actually a sustainable product. Yeah, well, I think that's, but that's the problem. That, that, that is, that is the fundamental problem is that in order, you have to rush to market in order to catch yeah. a trend and the products that rush to market kill the companies. Yeah. It, it's not it's the companies that have the existing, um, like engineering and finances to be able to do it properly that win companies like Google and Amazon that can spend whatever $50 million without even blinking an eye and already have established engineering teams or can buy companies to do the engineering. Well, and they can, they, they can, they can afford to have a product tank or, I mean, yeah. like GoPro find that GoPro had, has enough money that they said they could take another swing at it. But if it failed again, then it was going to, they're going to have to, so then why do you jump it. on the trend? What is the example of a company that successfully jumped on a technology trend quickly and was successful? Because most of the companies cricket, I think cricket. of, <laughs> like most of the companies I think of that were successful startups weren't jumping on a trend. They created their own trend. They didn't jump on like, this is the future. They were like, no, no, this is the future. We've <laughs> created it. <laughs> not, not we're going to watch it go not, by. Not, Oh no, the, yeah, it's the emphasis is not this is the future, it's yeah. that this, this is the future. Exactly. <laughs> no, but like the like no, that's, that's fair. Like I don't think yeah. any startup company that jumped on an an existing trend in technology has ever made it really other than companies that already had like you like we said like insulation from a failure. Yeah. Which so aren't which aren't startups. So that's I mean that's that, I guess that is so that answers my original question. Or they get bought, which is actually ultimately what startups are meant to do. They're meant to get bought by larger companies. Yeah, that's I, the ultimate goal. You make money because you get bought, then you do something else, and that's fine. And I guess that 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 is a reasonable solution if you're if you if what your idea is is that I've got something that will change the way that you vacuum, and I cut, but but it's called the suck cut. <laughs> Okay, no, I've got, I've got this idea. I know that, like, uh, like, okay, I've got an IoT vacuum. It, uh, there, for some reason, I am convinced that that is a technology people want. And the key then is for me to create a company that's good enough that I get bought out by Dyson. Yeah. And then my, t- my, my, my invention ends up part of Dyson. And then I'm okay because I got my bit of IP into this sphere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I, that's satisfying. I would enough, not be but. surprised <laughs> if, um, the happy little flyy drone that you were talking about that went that Daisy. I would Lily? be Lily. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. I wouldn't be it surprised. It had a little smiley face on it. Exactly. It was so cute. I wouldn't be so surprised cute. if Lily's ultimate goal was to get bought by DGI. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, I guess. know it was a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a Kickstarter to build a lifestyle company. I think it was a Kickstarter to build a startup company whose ultimate goal is always make as much money as possible and then get bought. Yeah, I guess that's that's just unsatisfying to me. Yeah, and I, it'd be unsatisfying to me too, but that's why we don't live in the valley. Or what is it? The new or make the, smart the, vacuums. This, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, I don't know. I think that, I think, I think, I think we came full circle. I, yeah. my, my, my original question was like, this is crazy. Like, why would you ever want to start a smartwatch company or start a drone company or start a anything company right now? If you're not like even, even, even existing companies, like I was, I was looking at like, why, did, why would Casio want to make a smartwatch? Well, Casio is trying to, I mean, Casio is different because Casio like Polaroid and, a bunch of the other companies that are starting to play around with things like this, they're just trying to survive. Like yeah, they're trying yeah. to like not be totally, um, <laughs> Polaroid's been doing that for 30 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're living it, man. Blackberry, a new Blackberry came out at CES. Oh yeah. It's not really Blackberry, but no. it's the name. Well, and at least they stopped making keyboard. their own hardware. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, they make the insides. So, I mean, it's like everyone's trying to, to like the big companies are either, um, trying to come out into the market so they can still be a company yeah. like, with a name and a face and a product that people buy. Well, everyone's just fending off the collapse of one tech bubble or another. It's just a question of like why you would yeah. ever look at that and say, yeah, that's where I want to, that's and where I, I want to plant my flag. If one of the next bubbles is drones because there are so many companies that do so much stuff and they're so cheap and that like these, I wouldn't be surprised if more of these drone companies don't either disappear or get bought. And no, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to see it's going to be more drone adjacent companies like those guys that are making that like anti drone gun. Yeah. Did you see that? That thing's pretty epic. It's, uh, I, I, I want to see if it actually works the way they show it in the video. Um, I'll have to link to it. What it's, do they show? It's, okay. they show a guy, they show their, their, their promo video. They show like this really sketchy looking, like hacker looking guy flying a drone over, uh, over a, <laughs> wearing like, a hoodie. Oh yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, flying a drone over like a secure facility. And then a guy pulls up, pulls up in another place with a Jeep Cherokee and pops out like his giant drone gun, points it at the drone and the guy flying the drone, his like video screen gets all fuzzy and he gets all confused and the drone lands. Yeah. Um, it's basically, it looks like a mix between like a P90 and Poseidon's Trident. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of a weird, <laughs> I, I think it's basically just a big antenna array that shoots jamming radio signals, yeah. but they claim they can bring down a drone from like 1.2 miles away, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Wow. So I, it'll be interesting to see what kind of businesses come out of that as like adjacent to the, a bubble like drones. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway. Um, sort of like, a, sort of like uh how Qualcomm has ended up basically and, and the arm chips have basically ended up being the, the, the in everything. Yeah. By, by, by just being adjacent to all of the yeah. bubbles. So maybe that's where that's, that's what you should get into. If you want it, you want to, you want to find the future. You got to find something that's a trend, but don't hop on that trend. Make an adjacent trend. Yeah. Make props <laughs> for drones. Be the biggest company in props. Mad, mad props. props. Oh, I saw you were going uh... with that one. And I, that was actually last minute. It's all right. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, do we have anything else we wanted to talk about? I wanted to drone on some more, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We need to stop this before Pete must be stopped before he gets any worse. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a good, a good, uh, a good thesis. Sure. Don't, don't hop on the bandwagon because it'll just get you run over. Unless you want to get bought. Well, you can hope. I, I, yeah. I don't, I still don't think that's necessarily a, a sound strategy. No, I, I mean, it's never sound. You are flinging yourself at the bandwagon in the hope that you <laughs> land on it as opposed to getting run over. And then land on a nice pad of, a nice pile of money when you fall <laughs> off again. Yeah. <laughs> cool. No, we have to return that money to your investors. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Cool. So, uh, this was How Do You Engineer, a podcast about news related technology or news related technology podcast it's a podcast about things we want to talk about which today was tech news yeah all right you can listen to us online at uh how do you dot engineer or uh on itunes or your favorite podcasting piece of software and you can find us on social media at facebook.com slash how do you or on twitter at at how do you eng.